0: Does Rocket know we, uh, we spoke to Paul Kelly? Uh, no, he doesn't. Oh, well, no, he doesn't. Uh, no, he, we spoke to Paul Kelly. Unless I'd he's been following be us on
1: our media, uh, our social media. Our, he would be one of his favourites, no doubt. Oh, no doubt.
0: No doubt. Well, let's, let's introduce him. The four-time Premiership Hawk, who also played a few games with the Bears, coached the Swans, Bulldogs, Gold Coast, and also had a bit of time at Collingwood. Uh, hey, Rocket, which footy club did you, uh, do you associate yourself with? <laughs>
2: uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> my kids uh, blame me, but they got no one. I don't know who to play for so, uh... <laughs> Mostly um, AFL there. Yeah, um, yeah, probably the one you could associate with Hawthorne uh, because of the Premiership. But um, I really did enjoy um, the time with the Bulldogs. It was a really, um, a really good split club. And I think the players there, the playing group, was a fantastic group of coach. So um, so uh, probably I do get identified identify with Hawthorne, but um, I've got a soft stop for the dogs.
0: Now, well, let's just uh, rule it out. Um, have we got any interest in the GWS job?
2: None at all. Zero. <laughs> no, no chance. No. It's too, past uh, the time, mate. I'm uh, too old
1: now. Just, uh, need to relax. Uh, Paulus was here. We did have, we did just, oh, sorry, Rocket. It was here. We did have, uh, Paul Kelly on just before you and, uh, he mentioned that, uh, he played his best footy under you. I'm sure he was one of your favourites as he was the rest of the world. Oh,
2: there's no doubt. He was fantastic, Kel. He was, uh, he was one of my favourite players to coach. You know, just knew he was 100% effort all the time. And for a guy who probably got to Sydney with uh, uh, not great fans there, came from Wagga and probably told to go home and uh, uh, didn't think he was a skinny kid to be able to captain the club but win a Brownlow medal and be the great player he was, was a real testament to not only his mental toughness but his courage. You know, he was he was a fantastic player.
1: Is he sort of still now, would you consider that the prototype inside mid?
2: him um, yeah, he, was, he was a unique play he had great fitness but he had great speed great power where a lot of the mids have got one or the other um, they've got speed or they've got power and strength you know but Bond and Pelly's not super quick uh, Paddy Clips is not quick Curl uh, had that strength but he could jump as well like he's a really good mark for a guy his size he wasn't at wasn't tall but uh, he was a unique player in many ways. There's not many like him, and uh, um, fantastic guy. Like he, he played with pain, and now there was the first seven years of his, um, I know, forty-seven or eight years, I think it was. He had six or seven operations and never missed a game of footy that time. Like he's just <laughs> super tough to play with the pain that he played with as well.
0: No, yeah, and he came back with, from a knee injury that's uh, real early too, which was uh, I remember quite
2: surprising. Yeah, he did. He came back from that early. He um, you know, he played with fractured fingers and broken ribs and a whole range of different things. He um, never complained. Um, tried really hard. and was a great, great trainer, a great leader for that aspect as well.
0: We're reminiscing about 96, uh, the season, and um, obviously making your way to the grand final that year, Rocket. Tell us... Um, did you did you think that group at the start of the season and what they've been through in the previous seasons could make it to the grand final? Did you, in your wildest dreams, could have you imagined that?
2: No, not at all. No, I was really sort of, I suppose more hopeful than anything. It's but you know, we could get close to finals or the finals. And um, first game we lost by 80 points to Adelaide and Adelaide, and then we lost to Fremantle by five goals at the SCG, when no one lost to Fremantle. Um, so we struggled, so we were 0-2 and actually, um, we were pushing it uphill, but uh, yeah, we had a couple of, couple of wins, a couple of points along the way and we got some confidence and then uh, went on a spree, we won about 13 in a row at one stage, so uh, we finished top of the ladder um, and then got through the grand final, but uh, yeah, it was a fantastic year and the players were terrific and responded uh, really well. And. Uh, yeah, unfortunately we couldn't take it off in the day, but um, yeah, you're certainly a great year.
0: Now, we we'll were living the uh, prelim through Paul Kelly. I want to live the prelim of 1996 through you now. Uh, tell us about that night and um, what, what emotions were you feeling, particularly in that last play?
2: Yeah, I think as a coach just I was just, you know, I do get absorbed in the in the game, so I was, you know, we were down, I have watched a replay of the court, the last quarter of the whole game, but now they got to two or three. In a low-scoring game. They got a couple of goals up, and they had a chance really to keep another goal. And I remember, and Hughes smothered And then we took the links of ground and got a goal, and then we got another one. Um, so it was, it was um, really tight. Um, then when uh, Tony marked it, um, it was a bit of mayhem in the box. I remember the physio the, the coach just saying because Tony came off, a, he had a bad groin injury and missed the previous game and i uh, have been out for two or three weeks and someone said, I don't think he's got the distance in his leg, you know, because of the, the groin and we said, oh, we're worried about that and in those days you didn't have the time, uh, the timer in the box, you didn't know how long was left, so we didn't know that, you know, we obviously knew there wasn't much and uh, then the siren went, and it was a bit of a moment, like, you know, people crossing their fingers and oh, all kinds of different things and <laughs> when think was nothing really picked a goal, like it was that good a kick um, and then the crowd erupted and everyone ran on the ground and um, I didn't realize later that you only to keep your point, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was uh, I suppose you forward, it was more than anything about uh, anything from the other players and the and the club itself. And I think it was really the time that the Sydney Swans got accepted in Sydney to city as as one of their own. I think that was sort of the acceptance uh,
1: time. Uh Ronnie, just as you're an expert sort of coach. And we've, we've heard a talk uh, this year about game plans and possibly being too difficult for some. Do you Can you watch a game and see a game plan? Because, I, I look, and see if one's different to the other. Look. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, you can pick out... I can pick out what teams are trying to achieve and what they're trying to do. Um, I think sometimes we can get too complicated for players especially with the amount of stats that are available. A lot of coaches are really stats-orientated, and players don't want to be fed a lot of stats. Just give us the ones that are applicable, and if you give a lot of stats, it does complicate the mind of a player um, a bit, um, and that's where the complexities get in, especially where they position themselves to at stoppages, and some players, without being detrimental, are... Uh, Pretty simple souls. So, um, <laughs> we what, in, what information we give them? So that's part of the trick as well. But uh, yeah, you got to, um, you know, because they got to prepare themselves as a mental game as well for, the, for them. Then they got to worry about getting a kick or stopping their opponent. So there's a lot of elements going through their mind, and then you add layers upon layers about information uh, can actually play their mind a bit. So um, answer to answer your question, you, know, you can see what teams are trying to do, whether they want to kick short and. Like the big one was against Richmond, where at their best, going towards the end of their ride. Um they love pressure, though they invite the pressure. They played a fast-paced game, so teams would kick the balls and kick and mark, so therefore Richmond couldn't put pressure on them. So they just. Teams would adjust their style to take away what an advantage of the opposition. Just things like that, you'll know you can work out what they're trying to achieve.
0: Now, I'm sure. Um, I mean, your teams that you played with, your teams would have tackled a lot. So I'm not too sure if you've ever been in um, what Ben Ruttons dealing with this week and uh, what the the stats you you, you say is you're your coaching. But the one stat probably did would ring alarm bells with the Bombers would be the tackling. Um, oh, yeah, we how do you? Money.
2: Yeah, we only got thirty tackles, and yeah. uh, an opposition got the feed as a ball on a small ground like the SCG. So, how, how uh, do you recover from that? Well, I've got to ask that question, No, is it game? Is it your leaders on the ground? Really, something like that should be a non-negotiable. The way you defend, the way you non-negotiable, is all about things that take effort. It doesn't take talent. It's very hard to say to a player I want you to kick at 50 metres and they haven't got the capabilities of doing it. But we all can tackle, we all can put pressure we can all find an opponent um, and we can all try as hard as we can and put our hand over the ball it doesn't take talent. And I think they're the things that are missing at the moment. So I think Ben's got to drive that. And he's got to say well the biggest stick I've got is selection. If you don't do it, you don't play. And um, the players have got to buy in and if they don't do it, well you you have to do something about it. And that's Really, at the moment, is very poor for them. They've really got to lift again in that area.
1: Do you think uh, the pre the the mid-season draft coming up? Do you think that's going to play an important role, or clubs that are sort of down the bottom will they already be looking at maybe what's happening at the end of the year instead?
2: Um, I think the mid-season draft is turning out not to be what the AFL hoped it was more about teams can top up for the injuries or certain players that are missing but like North Melbourne did last year they yeah. took what the best kid was available who would have probably gone the top five in the draft so I would think teams that can't make the finals say North Melbourne nor Western they'll take the better kids uh, that are playing really well so they did a jump on the draft that's what I imagine so um, it'll be interesting to see whether the experienced or AFL players the ones that have been dubious, to get taken but uh, clubs aren't tending to go that way, so it'll be interesting to see what happens.
1: And just with your local coaching, it's still very high-up football. Is there someone out that way? There may be a big centre-half back running around in Premiership division out that way that could uh, slot in somewhere that you've seen. <laughs> what well, do
2: you want one, do you, for? Um, uh, a <laughs> yeah, no, north for me, <laughs> <Not> North Melbourne.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, there, it's actually is a fully
2: exotic bad competition. There's um, there's good kids too. There's um, um, you know, Obviously, Cooper Sharman Char- is now at St. Filder came from Bournemouth. um and uh, as a kid, and there's a quite a few other kids that big up. we've got a centre half back from Yarrawonga who's only 22, 23, is, is quite a good player as well. So um, yeah, there are nuggets, there are golden nuggets in those competitions. It just obviously some of the players just don't want to have the commitment at VFL level for three nights a week, but. Uh, um,
0: certainly it's worth looking at some of them, that's for sure. Speaking of uh, North Rocket, um, the coach, David Noble, got in a bit of trouble um, in the past few weeks for admit, or saying sorry or flying off the handle. I'm not too sure which one he got in trouble for. But yeah. um, you, apparently, you, uh, from Paul Kelly, you might not have survived uh, if you are coaching now.
2: Well, I don't think I was around don't I, say, or, Walls, or, I, think, <laughs> I don't think I'm an orphan I think there's clearly it was Ken Inkey saying the other night about Malcolm Blight uh, I think there's a bit of that I I, I feel sorry for David because I've heard from someone with one of the experienced players there that they rate the display a two out of ten oh. um, <laughs> so I think David probably thought uh, with younger players maybe i not overstepped the mark, maybe they said a few wrong things. So I think it was more the and it happened four weeks after. It's got out that John Ralph's got hold of it that he's apologised. So they've blown up about the spray, which actually made North Melbourne players look as if they were in the and that wasn't the case. So Um, they've made a big headline about him apologising to players I think it was was a bit unfortunate for David and for North Melbourne but uh, maybe in hindsight David shouldn't have apologised and just had a a chat to a few individuals (laughs) um, but uh, yeah I think that's part of the coach's armoury and uh, I know everybody today and players want to be tickled and touched and tell how good they are I want to be loved but uh, we're playing an elite sport and uh, they're earning four or $500,000 well uh, you've got to step up you can't just uh, get along to the ride and happy to take the money and not get any consequences or any responsibility with it
1: And just on sort of a bit more on that how do you, how do you feel about the media and, and how like, they, they run with things given that scenario was four weeks later and a few other bits and pieces this year have been sort of blown up and and gone with it well, yeah, should be I, should be more celebration of the game maybe
2: yeah I think so but who's in the media I think the thing is to get number of clicks and number of eyes on things so they they want a headline so that's their job um, so it's a bit ordinary at times to be honest a bit bit harsh on the on the receiver of those um, um, just got to ride with the punches and try and be us as... now in the media then say well we don't want people to give. Uh, bland answers, and that's why they get bland answers. Because in, in end the, in the up they get burnt because they get criticised at some stage. So, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's, I think it's a two-way street. So we just got to be mindful of it. I think um, how, how we put that across.
0: And as a proud Taswegian, uh, you're expecting
2: a team later on this year. So I think we'll get the green light when that team comes in. I don't know. Um, I don't think it'll be next year. So Certainly, going to be minimum in three years, maybe five years away. So, I think it'll be great for the state. Uh, certainly, there needs to be a lot of work done. I think Tasmania, you know, my own team Glenorchy, which is one of the strong clubs in the state, the Great Catchment area, couldn't field reserves some of the weekends. So, yeah. participation's down. Um, uh, things aren't in a, in a healthy state in Tasmania. It's not heartland anymore, especially now with the Jack Jumpers taking hold. So the AFL and AFL Tas and people there have got a lot of work to do to be able to make the AFL team work, but also make the grassroots and the development pathways work as well.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll get a side, um, which will be um, well earned. I mean, about time really. I can't believe it's going to be 20, nearly 2030 20, and they have another side.
2: Yeah, that's right. So, hopefully it's, um,
0: hopefully it's uh, yeah, they get my soon, mate. Listen, I've got
2: a meeting at 6.30. So yeah, no worries, mate. We'll
0: let you go. Thank you for joining us, buddy. No worries at all, mate. Thanks, for Thanks for Rodney Eade, uh, former uh, four-time Premiership player with the Hawks there and coaching legend of the game.